Hey Life Canton, my name is David Booth and I'm the Director of Worship and Technology here. I'm so thrilled that you're joining us today. Whether you are a new listener or an old one, be sure to like, follow, and subscribe so that you can hear more from us. Also, this week we celebrated Juneteenth, which was so amazing. It was one of those great opportunities when we were able to get together and celebrate not only what God has done historically, but what He's doing now. If you wish to participate in what God is doing, I'd encourage you to support the mission of our church. You can do that at lifecanton.org. This week, we heard from our friend, Reverend Darren McCormick. I hope you enjoy his powerful message. Give that a listen, and I'll catch up with you in a minute. Amen. Amen. Well, I hope that you are excited about what God is going to do in the next speaker. You can go have a seat as you settle in. Man, we have, I've got to hear him now twice, once on Wednesday and once this week, and, and Reverend Darren is just gifted and anointed, and he's going to continue this celebration and bring us in to the presence of God through the Word. So I want you to give a round of applause, welcome him up, uh, Reverend Darren, come on out here. Yeah. I'm glad here he and his wife, Jen, are here. You'll hear a little more about that. And they'll be here at the end to go talk to him. And one of the things I forgot to say at the uh, last service was to encourage them, encourage Bridget, encourage uh, this young man as they continue to work out the giftings that God has in them. But I'd love to pray, if that's all right. God, your Holy Spirit's already here. You're in each of us. You're moving in the room, and you're doing something new. Well, God, I pray that you would increase our awareness of your presence. I pray for Reverend Darren right now that you would just fill him up, that he would feel you, that he would feel your joy and your um, desire to see him speak your truth. I pray, God, that you would allow his words to be clear, that his mind to be focused, and God, you have already anointed him. So I pray that he would move in his calling right now, and that we we would be changed for it. God, I know you have given him a word for us that we need to hear, that someone in this room especially needs to hear. So let that come forth through your vessel. Amen. Thank you, you, Nathan. Appreciate it. Can you say praise the Lord? Lord. You got to say it better than that. Can you say praise the Lord again? Can you say praise the Lord one more time and give the Lord a hand of praise if you love Jesus today? Amen. Amen. So thankful and grateful to God to be here. Happy Juneteenth to all of you today. We also want to say happy Father's Day as well. We understand that Father's Day is a a holiday that puts us all in different categories and different places. But wherever you are today, I just want you to know that God is able. I want to take us to the book of Habakkuk, uh, chapter 2, beginning at verses 2. And we'll just read verses 2 through 4 together. I'll read it in your hearing from the English Standard Version. It says, And the Lord answered me, Write the vision. Make it plain on tablets so he may run who reads it. For the vision awaits its appointed time. It hastens to the end. It will not lie. If it seems slow, wait for it. It will surely come. It will not delay. Verse four, behold, his soul is puffed up. It is not upright within him, but the righteous shall live by faith. I want to talk today from the subject in between faith, in between faith. What is Juneteenth? Juneteenth is the oldest known celebration of the freeing of slaves in the United States, and it dates back to June 19, 1865. 
Although the Emancipation Proclamation had been signed by President Abraham Lincoln on January 1st, 1863, Juneteenth is the day when Union soldiers reached the state of Texas with the good news that the Civil War was finally over. The soldiers showed up in Texas to enforce the new law of emancipation, the law that the slaves were now free. And so then in answer to the question, what is Juneteenth, we can respond that Juneteenth is a day of delayed celebration and enforcement, listen, of a freedom that had in fact already been in place for over two years. In other words, Juneteenth points to the fact that liberation and freedom, while already in effect and while already a reality, nevertheless remains a project of evolving consequence. It's a vision that still needs to be carried out. Juneteenth reminds us that the work of liberation is always ahead of us and that there's always more freedom to be realized. In other words, liberation and freedom and God's justice, listen, are both now and not yet finished. And that gap in between the now and the not yet finished is the vision and the work of being faithful. This is precisely the message spoken to, to spoken to the prophet Habakkuk by God in Habakkuk chapter two, verses two through four. In chapter one of this book, the prophet complains to God, wondering aloud where God is in the midst of his people's devastation. They are being invaded by enemy nations, the Babylonians. The, the prophet says in chapter one, verse five, look at the nations and see, he's talking to God, be astonished, be astounded. Will judgment come? Will God liberate? Will freedom be restored? Will justice be had? The prophet asked God in a voice of complaint, will we God's people continue to undergo ravishment and destruction without mercy? I like Habakkuk. You know why I like Habakkuk? Because Habakkuk is honest with God. He asks all the real and raw questions. And if we're honest... Some of the questions that he asked are our questions, too. As people suffer disproportionately in crises of humanity spring up all over the country and our world, we, too, ask, like Habakkuk, is there any relief coming? And even if we take our eyes off the global expanse and we bring it right to our own individual lives and homes, some of us here today can ask the same question, is there any relief? coming. In other words, we seem to be caught between the reality of our circumstance and God's vision, between emancipation and Juneteenth. And yet in between the devastation and the full realization of God's justice and restoration, the text under our exploration today tells us that God responds to the prophet's description of his condition his complaints by giving him a vision to sustain him through his condition and through the brokenness and pain that is all around him. And just as God gave Habakkuk this insight and these instructions on how to navigate, so too he gives us through the word, the revelation of the word today, instructions on how to navigate the in-between. The first thing that he wants Habakkuk to know is that Habakkuk has to understand the permanence of the promise. Habakkuk needs to understand this because Habakkuk has a problem, is suffering or is dealing with a problem of subjectivity. 
And so the word of God says that God comes to Habakkuk and says, and the Lord answered me, this is Habakkuk writing, write the vision, make it plain on tablets so he may run who reads it. Habakkuk is first instructed to take the words that God is about to speak to him and make them three things, as permanent as possible, because he said, write it. He said, make it as plain as possible. He said, make it plain and as practical as possible so he may run who reads it. Now, church, I want us to understand that this scripture should not be read as to convey that the vision would be a repellent or cause people to run away from the vision. But the word that Habakkuk is going to get from God, he's really saying, put it on paper so that the vision needs to, that the vision can be clear enough so that people can read it as they run. The first and most important task God requests of Habakkuk is to write, to inscribe. God gives him, listen, the objectivity of his promises to help him handle the subjectivity of his circumstance. I'm going to say that one more time. God gives him the objectivity of his promise to help him handle the subjectivity of life. Just like Habakkuk has the permanence of God's promise, we too have the permanence of God's promise. It's recorded in the book of Jeremiah that God has taken the word off of the tablets of stone and written them on the tablets of our heart. David says in Psalm 119, his word hath I hid in my heart that I might not sin against thee. He goes on to say later in that chapter, your word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. We have the promises of God. And they provide objectivity for us in our life when we are sometimes fraught with the subjectivity of our circumstances. The second thing he helps, uh, he, he helps Habakkuk see is that he needs a re reorientation of his timetable. So he deals with the problem of his subjectivity by telling him, you got to understand the permanence of my promises. But Habakkuk has a problem with timing. And God wants him to reorient his timetable, if you don't believe me, it's right here in the text. In verse 3, for still the vision, this is God telling Habakkuk, is for, awaits its appointed time. It hastens to the end. It will not lie. If it seems slow, wait for it. It will surely come. It will not delay. Now, one of my friends said this in California. He was preaching. He said, we have no problem trusting God's promises, but we have problems trusting God's pace. We trust his promises, but we very rarely trust his pace. We can't blame Habakkuk for being confused about his timing because he says right here, he said, this is what God is telling him for the vision is waiting for an appointed time. It hastens to the end. It will not lie. Habakkuk's like, okay, we get somewhere. But then he says, and tells him in the next, in the next, in the next part of the verse, if it seems slow, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. Wait for it. It will surely come. It will not delay. So it's for an appointed time. It won't hasten. It won't lie. But if it seems slow, Lord, it is slow. You missed the whole point of my complaints in chapter one. It is slow. But the Lord is saying, if it, if it seems slow, wait for it. It will surely come. It will not delay. This reminds me of a statement that my grandmother used to say. He may not come early, but he sure ain't never late. But he tells him to wait for it. Now, this particular idea of waiting for it 
hit me like a ton of bricks in my studies because it, it, it shifted my understanding of what it's really talking about here because we all have our own ideas of what it means to wait. And the Bible, is no, the Bible has no shortages of, of, of inspiring messages about waiting on God. But the word that is used here and translated in the Greek is not just the biblical idea of merely looking forward in anticipation. This Hebrew word that is translated wait is defined as to continue in a certain state until the expected event occurs. What he's really telling Habakkuk is don't just look forward, keep moving forward. Don't just look forward, keep moving forward. It won't delay because I won't delay. Because you can have faith in the timetable. You reorient your timetable because you need to realize that it's not your timing that we're dealing with, it's my timing. And the Bible says his thoughts are not our thoughts, his ways are not our ways. As far as the, as far as the, head, the earth is from the, from, the, from the heavens, so are my thoughts away from yours. He's saying you don't trust my timing because I'm not asking you to know anything about the timetable. I'm asking you to trust me because I'm the keeper of the timetable. The timing may not be perfect to you, but it's perfect because I'm perfect. I'm going to tell you a story here. This is why it hit me like a ton of bricks. My wife and I right now are, are dealing with a, a fertility issue. Uh, and, and, and we have to trust God's timing. My wife is diagnosed with PCOS. That's the short version for a long, for a long word. I'm going to give it to you. Polycystic ovarian syndrome. That does not mean that my wife has a bunch of cysts on her ovaries. It just means that when you look at the ovary on an ultrasound, it looks like it's a bunch of cysts because there's a bunch of fluid-filled sacs that prevent eggs from maturing the way normal, that, that they normally would based on biological process. And so it makes, and, and, and has varying degrees of severity. And so, her doctor told her early on in her life that you may not necessarily be able to get pregnant right away. It's just going to take a little work. Well, that little work has, 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 has been a process for us. I, IUI appointment, injection, pill after pill, ultrasound after ultrasound, bad news and, 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 and report and, and sad look on my wife's face after sad looks on my wife's face. And, and so we went through the process of, of IUI um, which is intrauterine insemination, uh, just to be specific, and it, it failed. We went through it a second time, it failed. There was one mature egg, it came through, and we was like, whoo, we got some! And it, it didn't do what it was supposed to do, basically. So one day my wife got a call from a doctor because she had talked to me, and I would never tell my wife what to do with her body. But my wife asked me, she said, do you, do you think we need to take a break? And the Lord had already begun to deal with me about the fact that she probably needed to take one because it began to take a toll on her emotionally. As a matter of fact, I don't even, I think it was like an iceberg situation. What I was seeing actually wasn't the depth of the emotion that she was dealing with. As a matter of fact, I know that. And let me say this on the front end while I'm here. The Holy Ghost gave me release on telling this story. And I did ask my wife permission to tell this story too. Yeah. Y'all ain't think I had that covered, did you? Because cause, cause I, I, I like y'all life can, but I got to go home after I leave here. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> so she did give me permission, so I wouldn't tell this story unless I had her clearance. But nonetheless, I just want you to know that little piece of detail. Um, my wife was sitting there, and she told me, I know what God promised me. I know what God promised me. IVF, she, they want to load, they want to get her ready for IVF, and she's looking at all this paperwork, and, she, and I was just like, hey, let's take a break. Let's step back a minute and let's get some let's get some understanding about what we're dealing with. And I told my wife this. I told her, I said, if, if, if we both know what God told us, but it's going to happen in God's 
timing. Because it's not the fact that the timetable doesn't look good because friends are getting pregnant and, and cousins are getting pregnant and, and associates are getting pregnant, God sisters are getting pregnant and, and everybody around us is getting pregnant and she's looking at all of this, taking it all in and we're taking it all in as a couple. And so what I begin to do is I begin to look and say, Lord, I've seen you do it for others and I know you're going to do it for me. I can celebrate with others and I can celebrate with them because I understand that the timetable is not in my control. It's ultimately not about time anyway. It's about what's good and what's his will. And his will is perfect because he's the keeper of time. And so while we're waiting on God, we're not just standing and looking forward. We're keeping it moving. We're living our life. We're going on vacations. We're growing together. We're loving each other because like, like Habakkuk had to learn and like we all here have to learn sometimes too, don't just look forward, keep moving forward. How do you move forward though? Habakkuk has to deal with his problem of subjectivity, so he has to understand the permanence of the promise. God addresses Habakkuk's problem with with God's timing by saying you need to reorient your timetable. But now he addresses Habakkuk's approach by by offering him clarification on an appropriate response. And in so doing, he gives Habakkuk steps on how to proceed forward. He helps him understand this by, first of all, helping Habakkuk understand that the main part of your complaint was the fact that you broke up the the categories of people along the wrong lines. Because, again, if you go back and you read Habakkuk's complaint to God, he's talking about the fact that the Babylonians are wicked and Judah is less wicked. They're more wicked. We're less wicked. But God helps Habakkuk understand it's not about wickedness. It's about pride versus righteousness. It's about being proud versus having righteousness. What, what is pride and, and what, is, what is being proud versus having righteousness? It's not wickedness or not wickedness, but pride and being proud makes you puffy, self-sufficient, presumptuous because you are relying on yourself. But righteous people live by faith. This is what the Bible says in the last part of verse 4. But the righteous shall live by faith. The King James Version said, and the just shall live by faith. This phrase was so foundational and so pivotal and so rocking to the idea of faith in the Bible that Paul pulled on it three different times in the New Testament. But this is where the passage is rooted in God's conversation with Habakkuk. Tells him, you have a problem with, 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 with subjectivity, so I've given you the objectivity of my promise. You have a problem with timing. I've, I've helped you understand that you don't have to trust the timetable. Reorient your timetable because I'm the keeper of the timetable. I'm perfect, therefore the timing is perfect. But then he helps him understand how to proceed forward with that information. You proceed forward in faith. Because faith, this is what he helps him understand. Faith does three things for us in between. Number one, faith is the basis for correct conversations with the Lord. How is faith the basis of correct conversations with the Lord? I can take my time now. How is faith the basis of correct conversation with the Lord? You saying, Lord, it don't look like it, but you promised that you was going to do it for me. Help my unbelief. Give me the strength to to make it through. And faith allows us to wait patiently for the Lord's answers and for his actions. It takes our focus off when the Lord is going to move and it gives us the faith to, to declare he will move. I don't know when, I don't know where, I don't know how, but somehow, some way, God is going to make a way. And then finally, faith carries us through situations that are beyond our comprehension. Diagnoses that are beyond our comprehension. 
Faith carries us through. Traumas that are beyond our comprehension. Faith carries us through. Divorces that are beyond our comprehension. Faith carries us through. Fractured relationships with our parents. Faith carries us through. Injuries and setbacks that are beyond our comprehension. Faith carries us through. Well, preacher, how does faith carry us through? Reverend Darren, how does faith carry us through? I'm glad you asked. We see this events in Habakkuk's that's, that's what black folks do in church. They say you asked a question. You didn't really ask no question, but I'm just going to say you asked one. We see this event in Habakkuk's prayer in chapter 3. This is a psalm-like prayer that is written in response to having been in God's presence and received a word from him. Freedom is coming from faith, and, 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 and Habakkuk receives freedom of the freedom of faith because he's been in the Lord's presence. If you go with me to chapter 3, verse 16, you'll see that Habakkuk testifies about what it means to be in God's prayer. He opens up with the petition, but he testifies at the end of chapter 3. Verse 16 says this, I hear and my body trembles. My lips quiver at the sound. Rottenness enters my bones. My legs tremble beneath me. Yet I will quietly wait for the day of trouble to come upon people who invade us because he has a promise from God. And so Habakkuk is saying in chapter, in chapter 3, verse 16, although this hurts and although the reality of the situation is still painful, I have a promise. So that promise gives me a yet. Yet I will wait, quietly wait for the day of trouble. I will keep my mouth closed. I'll quietly wait for the day of trouble to come upon the people who invade us because you said it would. This is why verse 17 then goes on. He can, he can use this as a premise of celebration in verse 17. Though the fig tree should not blossom. This is Habakkuk talking and testifying. Nor fruit be on the vine. The produce of the olive shall fail and the fields yield no food. The flock be cut off from the fold and there be no herd in the stalls. That's a very bad predicament to be in. But verse 18 does something. Yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will take joy in the God of my salvation. God, the Lord, is my strength. He makes my feet like deers. He makes me to tread on my high places. Being in the presence of God, getting a word from God, helps him understand that you proceed forward because what happens is the Lord, the word from the Lord does not change Habakkuk's circumstances. He changes Habakkuk's heart in the midst of his circumstances. We make it in between by knowing that ultimately our faith is in God and he won't fail. We make it in between by knowing that ultimately our faith is in God and he won't fail. Can I say that for myself one more time? We make it in between by knowing that ultimately our faith is in God. Glory. Hallelujah. And he won't fail. Whatever we lack, whatever you lack, whatever you need, whatever it is, just know God can make up the difference. God can make up the difference. As the worship team comes, I want to circle back to this idea of freedom. God gives us liberty and freedom. He purchased it on Calvary through his death, his burial, and his resurrection. As a matter of fact, if I was at home at my home church, I'd say he died 
Oh, yes, he died on a Friday. Stayed in the grave all night Friday, all day Saturday, all night Saturday. But early Sunday morning, he got up with all power in his hands. Can you imagine waiting for freedom that was already yours? Can you imagine waiting to be liberated when you've already been liberated? So here today, if you're here today, you've heard the message. You say, my faith is a little wane. I'm, I'm not doing as well as I thought I would. I, I need to come to, to the Lord in faith. I, I need to restore my relationship with God. Just know the freedom is yours and that you shouldn't wait. That's how we make it in between. Amen? I want everybody to stand up on your feet. Clap your hands and give the Lord a hand of praise if you thank him for being a God who's able to do exceeding and abundantly above all that we could ask or think. Won't he do it? Won't he do it? Won't he do it? The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? If you know the Lord is good, clap your hands with me. Yeah. Give him glory and praise today, church. I hope you enjoyed the word that Reverend Darren brought. I'm excited that our church is taking opportunities to join in the celebration like the one he led us in. God is up to so much in our church, and if he's up to something with you and you need prayer for it, please don't hesitate to reach out via email at prayer at lifecanton.org or at our now page at lifechurchcanton.org slash now. I hope you have a blessed week, and we'll talk to you soon.